This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, September 9th, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. The Electoral College has a few purposes, and one of those purposes is the idea that virtuous people would be given the duties as electors, and they would vote according to conscience to provide a check on mob rule. Andrew Grossman is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute and a constitutional litigator at Baker Hostetler. We spoke about the Electoral College today. The Electoral College is a part of the Constitution. Uh, Some people may be surprised to learn that it is not people who elect a president. It is state legislators that delegate to voters the ability to vote for president, and then the state certifies that result and then sends people to do what? Well, under the Constitution, every state is responsible for appointing a certain number of federal electors. And it's those electors who, in December, uh, actually vote for the president of the United States by a majority vote. Uh, If no candidate captures a majority vote, then the entire election is thrown to the United States House of Representatives. What was the purpose of the Electoral College? Because you can imagine that uh, the founders could have said, well, every state just send your results to Washington, D.C., and we'll look at the results, and then we'll certify the will of the state legislature, typically delegated to voters, and uh, that that the person that wins gets to be the president. The whole point of this was to prevent mob rule. And it does that in a couple different ways. One, of course, is this majority requirement. It's not enough that a candidate has a concentrated base of support in one or two states. Um, It has to be somebody who has the esteem of the entire nation. But there's another trick that goes beyond that. The framers are very concerned that a populist movement could sway perhaps even a majority uh, of the voters of the nation. And the check that they put in place was that each of the states would have to nominate these uh, wise um, and and respected people as electors, and they would be the ones at the end of the day who would exercise their discretion to choose the person they believed um, was uh, proper and appropriate uh, and, and was held in esteem and confidence by the whole nation to lead the nation. So in history, when have electors decided, you know, I, it's understood that I'm supposed to vote for this person uh, when I go to present my vote to Congress? Um, when has a voter decided to say, mm, not this guy? I mean, to begin with, not every state actually binds electors to vote in a particular way. Uh, it's about 29 states uh, have electoral binding requirements, and even fewer of them actually have enforcement provisions for them. Um, so while electors may pledge that they're going to have to vote one way or another, at the end of the day, there's nothing that actually requires them to do that. But even among those states that have the binding provisions, there have been dozens of instances where electors have voted for somebody else or have abstained altogether. And that was what the framers intended them to do. Um, The idea was that they would have to exercise their discretion um, so as to ensure that in each instance, um, there is a a constant probability, as as Alexander Hamilton put it, of seeing the station filled by characters preeminent for their ability and virtue and not for somebody else. The people who tend to be electors are people who are uh, actively involved in their parties. That was something that maybe was not envisioned when uh, the framers were putting together the Constitution. In a certain sense, we've departed from the original meaning of the Constitution, but not in a way that has really had any great legal impact. So there was this idea that electors would exercise independence. The first two elections, um, George Washington was the overwhelming uh, favorite, and there was really no need for electors to deviate from that. He had clearly the esteem of the entire nation. But what happened after that was something that the framers didn't necessarily anticipate, and that was the rise of the national political parties. And those political 
political parties served the same moderating and coalition building roles that the framers anticipated that the electoral college would serve. So from, from that time up until the present, there hasn't really been all that much calling for electors to exercise their independent discretion because the qualities that the framers were searching for, those have come through the normal political process. But nonetheless, at the end of the day, the Constitution's original meaning still preserves that essential check so that if the parties fall short in fulfilling that, that duty, that role of nominating people who are moderate, um, who are appropriate to the majority of Americans, who aren't entangled in foreign concerns, um, who aren't corrupt, if they fall short in doing that, the electors have a duty to exercise their discretion and independence. What has the Supreme Court said about the Electoral College and the duties uh, whatever they might be of electors. Well, the Supreme Court has really only had one opportunity to consider the question, and that was in a case from the 1950s called Ray versus Blair. The court there held that electors could pledge themselves. In other words, they could announce beforehand for whom they intended to vote. But the court also recognized that it was a very different question as to whether or not pledges of that sort could actually be enforced. Um, a number of state Supreme Courts um, have addressed that narrower question, can you actually bind electors to vote in a particular way? And they've generally held that the answer is no. A pledge may uh, have a impose a moral obligation. It may be a, a matter of truth-telling or honesty or something like that. Perhaps there could even be consequences within a political party for somebody who doesn't vote a particular way. But at the end of the day, they, those types of pledges don't impose legal obligations on electors. The Constitution allows them to vote as they see fit. And what are the implications for this election? It, it's certainly no secret that a lot of Republicans and some number of Democrats as well are less than thrilled with the top of ticket candidates nominated by their parties. The people who serve as electors are often party stalwarts. They're people who are ideologically motivated individuals and participate in parties so as to help to achieve their vision um, of a right and just America. Um, what they signed up for was to be electors. They didn't sign up necessarily to blindly vote for whomever their party happened to nominate. Uh, and this may be the year that uh, some of the electors, uh, perhaps even a large, uh, a substantial group of electors, uh, decides that uh, to fulfill their duty, they have to exercise their independence and can't simply blindly go along with their party's choices. Um, this year may be different in that respect, and it, it's, it, it's something that it, we really haven't seen uh, in decades. So it raises the question, at least in my mind, which is, what is a faithful elector? We, when electors go and vote for someone else, they're referred to as faithless, but it strikes me that if they are actually attempting to serve their role as a check, they may very well be faithful. In a, in a deep sense. Well, they would be faithful in a constitutional sense. Um, you know, the Constitution is very clear that the electors shall vote by ballot. That was a term of art that means a secret ballot. In other words, a ballot where the person casting it gets to exercise their independence. Uh, Alexander Hamilton said that the electors really were required to vote for people they believed possessed, quote, the esteem and confidence of the whole union. Those would be the people, Hamilton believed, who were appropriate to serve as president. So an elector who exercises his or her discretion to vote for somebody possessing that esteem and the confidence of the whole nation, that's an, that's an elector who's being faithful to the role that they've taken on. Andrew Grossman's Wall Street Journal editorial published today is entitled, Let the Electoral College Do Its Duty. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.